Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. It's a real honor to be here and uh, to be speaking to you in another year. Um, It's been a fairly busy one for me. Um, I don't know about you, but We've sort of been hopping here uh, the, since the first of the year. Pastor called me a, two and a half weeks ago and asked me to, to pray. I mean, I'm sorry, to, to do the sermon today. And I said, wow, that's pretty short. <laughs> but uh, he, I guess, has confidence that I, uh, that I can do that on short notice. Uh, used to take at least 30 days. But anyway, uh, hopefully the Lord has, has blessed me with some good words today. Um, but anyway, it's been, it's been uh, a pleasure to add a couple of new uh, elders to, to our uh, staff, uh, Sam and, and Rose. We're just very, very blessed to have them as part of, of our elders in our church now. The Lord will provide, and that's for sure. Much of our life here on earth is guided by perceived standards and expectations. The world, as an example, teaches that those that finish first are always declared the winner. Nowhere is this more evidence than perhaps in the sports world. It doesn't matter what sports venue that you're talking about, the name of the game still seems to be winning, sometimes at all cost. Sometimes uh, as bad I'm as bad as any, and will get, the, get a hold of my phone first thing when I get, in, get up in the morning to check box scores to see if my beloved Wildcats have won. Uh, I've cooled a little bit on baseball, but when football and basketball seasons are in, I'm pretty passionate. I remember going to Little League uh, baseball games when my sons were both little and watching and I was very proud that they were able to play and compete. I, I listened to some of the parents at, at, at some of those games over the years, and some of them displayed emotions that are really not becoming of adults, let alone, or children, let, let alone adults. It was the same, unfortunately, no matter what sport, basketball, football, uh, and some say, well, it's just type A personalities, uh, venting a spirit to win. Well, I, I called it something else. I think it was a little bit over the top. Uh, I think these parents, when they act like that, are certainly an embarrassment to their child and to their school. Parents in their pursuit of excellence, however, will many times, and in the name of love, push their children unreasonably because they want the best for their children. They want them to be number one because that will enable them to be the best in in life. Unfortunately, many of the standards and expectations are self-centered and they're self-serving. While it's true that we must put forth ample effort if we plan to achieve success, we must at the same time be cautious about allowing standards and expectations of a fallen world to dictate our lives. The world teaches us to look 
Look out for ourselves first and foremost, always making sure our interests are met before we consider the, the needs of other people. The world desires to receive instead of give, striving to gain as, we, as they journey through life. The world teaches us to reach for the stars, many times using whatever means is necessary. Again, there's nothing wrong with ambition and hard work, but I think we must learn to view life from a biblical perspective rather than allowing the standards of the world to motivate and dictate our lives. So Jesus challenged this worldly thinking and said, the last shall be first. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you today uh, because sometimes we have difficulty in understanding some of these parables. We know that you were a great storyteller, Lord, and you told a lot of parables. And they always had strong messages. So as we go through this parable today about the workers in the vineyards, please be with us, Lord, and give us the right thinking on this. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today as we look at the laborers in the vineyard, we re realize that this parable may be even harder to understand than giving everything up to follow Jesus. Harder because if we're looking at it from the world standards, it's difficult to believe that we're all on equal footing, all on the same playing field. Hard to believe that our faith, our way of life, our accomplishments are not just somehow maybe just a little bit better than our neighbor or our fellow uh, par parishioner. God's, uh, yet in God's eyes, we're all equal. God sees us, all of us, through the same lenses. The parable that the last will be first has been a difficult one for me to understand. Having been in business for so many years myself, it really goes against the worldly values that I learned uh, and was taught from an early age. But this parable, like all parables that Jesus taught, will never make any sense if we try to look at it from the obvious and we look at it from the worldly perspective. The Bible is filled with what we uh, refer to as paradoxes. Webster defines a paradox as a statement or proposition that, despite sound reasoning from acceptable premises, leads to the conclusion that seems senseless, unacceptable, or even self-contradictory. Much of the Bible's teaching seems to be contrary to the beliefs and opinions of modern culture. A few of the paradoxes that we discover are loss actually produces gain. Weakness can, in fact, give us strength. Giving is the best approach to receiving. And last, being last will actually make us first. So at this time, let's open our Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, and just read along with me as we try to make sense of what Jesus is saying in this parable. Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, for the kingdom 
uh, of heaven is like a landowner, landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those, who, and when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So here's the setting. The last will be first and the first last. For many will be called, but few will be chosen. As we discuss this paradox spoken by Jesus, we need to understand the content, the context of which he spoke. He had just shared a parable about a man who owned a vineyard, hiring workers to labor in the vineyard. Early in the morning, the man agreed to hire workers to work for him in the vineyard for a penny a day. Going out at the third hour, 9 a.m., he found men standing idle, and he hired them at the same wage. And he, so he continued this throughout the course of the day. He hired men at 12, 12 noon, at 3 p.m., and again at 5 p.m. When the work, day's work had ended at 6 p.m., the, the man paid every worker the wages that he had agreed upon, each receiving a denarius, a penny, a Roman penny. As the workers began to come in from the fields and receive their wages, some began to complain about, uh, about to the owner of the vineyard. Although he had kept his word, saying, the, saying that the, paying the salary that they had all agreed upon, some were upset that they had worked a lot more. They had worked all day, and they got the same pay as those who had, who had just worked an hour or so. The owner defended his actions, saying to them that he had kept his word and paid them the wages that, they, that he had agreed upon. He further said he had done them no wrong because he paid them what he agreed to pay them. So here in this parable, Jesus taught a profound truth. We like to establish our own application for fairness. 
they didn't seem to be at all interested in the benefits that were being paid to others. They were focused on their own fairness to themselves. Isn't this just the way that we as humans view things many times? We're, we're really not concerned about what's being given to the others. We just want to make sure that we're not being shafted, right? Jesus, in this paradox, turns everything upside down. We try to make sense of it, and we have difficulty. So, after spending some time studying Bible commentaries on this subject, I came to the conclusion that Jesus must be talking about salvation. Salvation to everyone, not just a select few. In most of Jesus' parables, he gives meaning about what the point is that he's making in language that we can understand. He did not do so in this parable. The kingdom of heaven is unlike the world. We will not be judged as the world judges. We cannot begin to understand fairness as God judges fairness. God doesn't establish that those that are saved later in life will be saved less than those that are saved early on. My goodness, how can that possibly be? The benefit of salvation is the same for all. Forgiveness of sin and eternal life, regardless of what point in life that we're saved. Wow, so that's so what lessons are we to, be, to learn here? Now we look at, a story, uh, at the standard by which Jesus used in making his point. Jesus conveyed through the parable that the owner of the vineyard had done nothing wrong. Each worker had agreed to labor that day for one day's wages. Nothing was said about how many hours that they would work and how much the day, that they would get per hour. The wages paid during the, uh, to the owner belonged to the owner, and had the right, he had the right to disperse the wages as he saw fit. It's the same way with salvation. It's something that we, that we can't earn. We simply can't earn our way into heaven, period. Salvation is a gift and we, that we really don't deserve. Even in our sins, Jesus died for us. In Romans 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. There's a story about a man called Fiorella LaGuardia, who was the mayor of New York City during the Great Depression. So in 1935, he was a little guy, about five foot three inches tall, and one bitterly cold night in 1935, the mayor turned up in a, as, in a night court in one of the poorest wards in the city. He dismissed the judge for the evening, said, see ya, to, and he took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought in to him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told the mayor that her daughter's husband had deserted her, that her daughter was sick, and that her two, her two grandchildren were starving. But the shopkeeper from whom he had stolen the bread was there, and he was very upset and said, Your Honor, she must be punished. 
she stole the bread, and this is, needs to be, we need to make a statement for this neighborhood. LaGuardia aside, he turned to the woman and said, you have to be punished. The law makes no exceptions, $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, he was reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his hat, saying, here is the $10 fine, which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal a loaf of bread to feed starving grandchildren. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The following day, the New York City newspapers reported that $47.50 was turned over to the bewildered old lady who had stolen the loaf of bread. 50 cents of that being contributed by the red-faced store owner. While some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, and New York City policemen, each of whom had just paid 50 cents themselves, gave the mayor a standing ovation. We live in a society, so here's the question. Did the lady in the story get what she deserved? No, she really didn't. She received grace. The mayor paid the fine for her, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He took our sins and died for us even when we were sinners. So we live in a society that's motivated by entitlement, meaning that most people believe that everyone owes them something. It's true. It's a concept born out of greed and pride, two things that God hates. In my humble estimation, we're raising a generation that seems content to put forth very little effort and yet expect to be compensated simply because they feel entitled to have what others have labored to possess. This type of culture breeds jealousy and contempt. Unfortunately, the attitude of entitlement has made its way into the pulpit and into our spiritual lives. Many can be jealous of the way God works in the lives of others. They, like the workers in the vineyard, feel they should be compensated based on their efforts and works in God's kingdom. Many have, have a perceived worth and don't want to be shortchanged by God, by his blessing others who they feel have done far less in his kingdom than they have. Like the vineyard owner, Jesus has the ability to use those he chooses within the harvest. He also has the right to bless those according to his divine will. Now, we may not always admit it, but our lives are directed by God's sovereignty. He, prov he provides the very breath that we breathe and the life that we enjoy. We have, we have our only being because of his good grace. So who are we to argue about the blessings that the Lord either chooses to provide or to withhold? So we pose the statement that, is, that Jesus made in Matthew 20, verse 16. So the last will be first and the first last? I have no doubt 
that, when we, that we will be quite surprised when we stand before the Lord one day. Many who, whom we thought would, be, would receive great rewards will likely receive very little. While those that we assume would have accomplished little of value for the kingdom will receive great reward. Our years of service in the vineyard do not automatically guarantee great blessing. I feel confident that the Lord will honor all those who have been faithful to him. He will reward every good deed done in his name. No doubt that there will be some that will, that will have only been saved for a very short time and they will receive a greater reward than others who were saved for years. Here's the reason. God knows our heart. Do we serve him with a cheerful attitude, always looking to his will, versus, look at all the works I'm doing for you, Lord. I know the Bible backwards and forwards. Those were words that were echoed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It is my prayer that we will labor for the Lord out of genuine love and commitment to him, realizing that his hand is a blessing in every area of our lives. So, for many be, will be called, but few chosen. Finally, we discover the great significance in the words of Christ. Many received an invitation to come work in the vineyard, but few were actually chosen. This reveals that all who were invited did not respond to the call. Some heard it, but they failed to respond. So, this re re reveals a twofold application. The first being salvation. So the parable of the man in the, uh, in the vineyard seeking workers, it's a beautiful illustration of the Lord's saving grace. He returned many times during the course of the day seeking workers for the field. All, he, all that responded received the same wages. Those who followed the master received salvation. No doubt some were invited to labor in the vineyard with the promise of wages being paid and yet they chose not to be employed by the owner. So many are called today. The Lord continues to deal with the hearts who stand, the hearts of those who stand in need of salvation. He offers eternal life and forgiveness of sin. But those who receive the invitation must be willing to respond. They must come to him by faith repenting of sin and receiving his precious salvation. We find the same phrase used in the parable dealing with the invitation of guests at the wedding. In Matthew 22, verses 22 through 14, and he saith unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The second area is service to God. The Lord desires all laborers in the harvest. The call to serve is extended continually. Some hear the call and respond, while others hear the call and fail to serve. There's no greater blessing than to be of service to the Lord.
Are we heeding the call to serve at the leisure of the Lord? Are you serving in the harvest? There's work for all to do, but we, we must be willing to submit to the call when we, when we hear it. A few weeks ago, uh, I heard that my good friend Dan, Deacon Dan, died. I had the privilege of knowing this uh, incredible human being. I I met him about a year and a half ago at uh, Home Depot. I remember when I saw Dan the first time that I wondered how he could even possibly be working because he had physical ailments that were, I mean, they were very, very bad. He uh, was a lifelong Marine. He was injured in Vietnam in 1967 when his helicopter was in a search and destroy and they were getting ready to land and the turbulence from ground fire uh, knocked him out of the helicopter and he fell and when he fell, he fell on his neck. And so he had lifelong uh, pain and suffering and operations uh, from this injury. But Deacon Dan was one of these people that you could see that he was walking with Jesus all the time. Uh, During the time uh, he had to go in for surgery because his heartbeat was half of what it should have been. He went in to have a device uh, put into his heart, uh, which they had to go up through his groin area and put it in. And it was not one of the common things that, that's done. And uh, so, but he wasn't too concerned about it. Uh, he went through the surgery, seemed like he was doing good. His heartbeat became uh, normal. And then he was, came back to work and few, uh, a couple of weeks later, then he disappeared again. And he uh, was taken in for appendicitis, which is a little unusual for a man of his age. But he had the, uh, the, after they waited a couple of days because he was on blood thinners and they had to wait to operate, then he, they took the appendix, appendix out and he seemed to be doing good. But as I understand it, that he died because he had failed to take his blood thinner medication and Possibly a, a, a clot went into his heart. At any rate, um, he, this man uh, was, was one, a great person. I, I called him uh, when he was rehabbing and uh, talked with him and prayed with him. Uh, he was one of these cheerful people. He was engaged and he was loving. Um, he was just one of these uh, great people. So here's the point about Dan. If you live your lo- life totally dedicated to doing God's will... Everyone will see Christ in you. That's the best evidence. It's not what you say, it's what you do. That's the best best indication. The love that has been given to you will be a light to everyone who comes in contact with you. And guess what? The good news, it's never too late. I'm eternally grateful to God for the grace that he gave me after all my sinful years. I still feel very humble that he gave me another chance, but mostly grateful that he allowed me to live long enough to really get to know him and to serve him. Because we're mortal human beings living in a world that's badly broken, some don't get the chance. I I, I mean, we don't. Uh, 
So do we treasure the short-term fun and excitement that Satan is going to throw at us more than we do the eternal life that's available to us if we will only come to Jesus? As I get older in my years, I realize how precious each day is. There was a movie made back in the early 1990s called Grumpy Old Men. The title was very appropriate as John and Max played by Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau, were at each other's throats for years. And I must confess to you that there are times even today when I act out much like these characters in the movie. Our witness as Christians must expand beyond what our Sabbath-keeping friends or others see or that we want to impress. Say, wow, he's, he's a good guy. Otherwise, we're simply creating a charade and have no authenticity. One of the things that non-Christians like to say is that Christians are nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. Well, if it fits, wear it. I myself would like to be more like Deacon Dan. God knows who and what we are. We may fool some of the people some of the time, but God can't be fooled. He knows us. Yes, there are times when Satan just has a field day with my behavior and has me acting like one of the grumpy old men. Because we're human, we're not going to be perfect. There are going to be moments when we lose it. But if our behavior starts becoming a bad habit, we better fess up, repent, and ask God to take it from us. Because without God's involvement, it won't get any better. The blood of Jesus is stronger and mightier than anything that the devil can ever throw at us. We simply can't let these things fester and grow. Repentance and prayer are the answer. Because we will continue to sin as long as we're human and we live in this world. But we don't have to stay that way because Jesus paid the price for our sins. If we repent and ask his forgiveness and make it and ask us to be more in his likeness, he will. He will. It may not happen overnight, but he can transform us. Jesus said in Revelation 3, verses 19 through 21, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. So as we conclude today, truly the parable of the vineyard workers reveals a paradox within our Christian lives. The world expects those who finish first to be declared the winner. But Jesus sees the heart and attitude of service more than the mere busyness. I want to be used of and for the Lord in a way that brings honor and glory to serving according to his needs. We live in a very busy, fast-changing world. Distractions abound everywhere we look. It's easy to put service to God in a secondary place. The message that the world sends is take care of number one. And unfortunately, that doesn't always mean God. 
There's a home that he is preparing for us where we can all go to be with him, to be away from the evil and the craziness once and for all. Jesus told the Sadducees and the Pharisees when, he, when asked, what is the most important commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all, with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So let's heed his call and be ready because Jesus is coming soon to take all of us to his glorious kingdom.